0: We've always got something to learn. That's why we have to create conversation. Arrow.net. A-R-R-O-E.net. We are Unplugged and Totally Uncut with Dr. Sylvia Earle. I'm doing just fine. How are you? Absolutely fantastic. In front of me right now is this beautiful book, Ocean, A Global Odyssey. This this has taken my imagination into areas that I hope every every adult and every child will, will get to experience.
1: Oh. I'm so glad you feel that way. Mission accomplished. (laughs)
0: It it is a mission for you, isn't it? Because there's so much of the story that we don't know. And, And you are opening up our eyes to say, hey, look, tap, tap, tap. Here's something that you need to learn from. Well,
1: we know more right now, early in the 21st century, than ever before. No surprise. I mean, considering that the great era of ocean exploration really got seriously underway in the middle of the 20th century and has been growing rapidly ever since. We have learned more since then than during all preceding human history, partly because of the technologies that take us high in the sky, on the surface, and maybe most importantly, deep within the ocean itself. Technologies that not only did not, but could not exist until recent decades. And it just gets better all the time in terms of our ability to really understand the nature of our own blue planet.
0: You you talk about things that are going upward into space and stuff like that. Eighty percent of the ocean, I've learned, is undiscovered. Why aren't we discovering more of the ocean? Let's get those numbers down to only 20 or 30 percent of the ocean we don't know about.
1: (laughs) Well, we're on our way. This decade promises to be even a greater era of ocean exploration than the 50 or 60 years that has preceded it. And part of this is because we are waking up to not only the magnitude of our ignorance, but the magnitude of the importance of the ocean. We need to know. What happens to the trash that we're putting into the sea? What are the consequences yeah. of clogging the ocean with this avalanche of, of not just, you know, <laughs> avalanche from industry and domestic waste, but all of the, the plastics that did not exist in the first part of the 20th century, and now... <laughs> Are both really useful, but they're really dangerous, too.
0: The headlines today, it's talking about that the waters are, are are rising. I mean, it's rising and we're physically seeing it. How does that affect your world because you're going beneath the sea and the surface? Does it change everything under there as well?
1: Absolutely. The temperature of the land, the air, and the ocean are changing. If you know if I were some evil alien, wishing to alter the nature of life on Earth, I would do two things. Change the temperature, either make it cooler or warmer, and I would alter the basic chemistry. We've had a relatively stable kind of planet for tens of thousands of years. There have been some ups and downs, but nothing like the trend that we have initiated through our own actions. Changing the chemistry by what we're taking out of the ocean—you know, hundreds of millions of tons of ocean wildlife—that alters the food webs, the chain of of nutrients, of, of materials in the ocean, and altering the basic processes that capture carbon dioxide, generate oxygen, can shape planetary chemistry, and of course, the temperature through putting excess carbon dioxide, methane, nitrous oxide into the atmosphere, this warming trend, and that melts polar ice, causing sea level to rise, and warmer water occupies more space than cooler water, which enhances the effect of rising sea level. So, we're experiencing the double whammy of changing temperature, changing chemistry, the loss of ocean wildlife, all in a matter of decades. But, you know, why am I um, more an optimist than not? I think it's because of what we now know, that if you don't know you've got problems, even keep doing the same things that have led us into this dangerous place. But now we do know that actions are being taken to reduce our impact of pollution and also to rein in this extravagant, unsustainable extraction of wildlife. We've taken so much so fast that I think should. only 10% of the sharks remain in the ocean Sheesh. from when I was a child and what impact that has on ocean chemistry, on the, the natural cycles of life in the sea. Mm-hmm. We, we can see that on the land where we take away all the the hawks and the eagles and the lions and tigers, that affects the flow of energy, the flow of nutrients. We've begun to protect large areas of the land and large categories of life, migrating birds have greater surf- safety than they would if we had just continued to take them as a source of food, yeah. as we did when my parents were children.
0: With with your love for the planet, and you do love this planet because I have followed you for so many years, th- there's got to be a, a, a place in your heart where, where you're going... There's a threat of nuclear war right now. This can't go away. I've got to do whatever I can to become a teacher right now. You've you got to be in a moment like that where it's like, I've got, I've got to get the word out about this planet so people can, can protect it.
1: Oh, well, exactly. You don't, if you don't know, you can't care. Yes. I mean, you can know and not care, but what is happening, and I see that the kids truly are, are leaving In terms of, we've got to kind of take care of the old growth trees. We have to take care of the birds and the wildlife because they're fast disappearing. Imagine a world without elephants and tigers and giant redwoods. Imagine the ocean without whales. We came so close to exterminating, I mean, really eliminating the great whales, but we stopped. That's cause for hope in most countries at least have stopped killing whales and dolphins. We have a long way to go to really safeguard fish on a scale that really will make a difference. But there is this movement to protect at least thirty percent of the land and thirty percent of the ocean by twenty thirty. I mean this we celebrate in the book, hope spots, places where communities are coming together. Where the kids are basically leading the way and, and being a voice for nature, I mean they see more clearly, perhaps, than some of the adults around them, the future and imagining what what danger their future is in. One of my advice to people who want to make a difference for the future is to take a child out to some wild place, whether it's a a wooded area or, <laughs> or the ocean or even your backyard yes. and look at the future through the eyes of those who will be around through the next century and, and, and into the 22nd century and, and just what we do now will have a magnified impact on everything that follows.
0: Oh, I love you. I love your heart so much. Doctor, you gotta come back to this show anytime in the future. The door is always going to be open for you because I love this planet too.
1: Yay. Hey, well, all of us have a chance to make a magnified impact on the future. So
0: dive in. Let's let's do it. Absolutely. Well, you be brilliant today, okay? All right, you too. <laughs>